Hi, and welcome to At Jim Bobcast. I'm Jim. I'm Bob. And let's get going. So first of all, Bob, we're going to start the week with some big congratulations. We had our first competition last week and our first winner, we, we ran a competition last week which was a lucky draw, which is a bit of a retweet and a follow, just to boost a bit of love on the Twitter platform. And Sir underscore Ekau, I believe, E-K-A-U, was our randomly picked winner out of 334 people. So we've DM'd you, we've tweeted you, be sure to get a message over to us so we can get a shirt and a name and a number put on the back for you. So without no longer ado, Robert Leicester 1, Arsenal 0. That was a complete and utter crock of shit. That was fucking bad. <clears throat> yeah, really didn't like that at all. It was awful. We just, yeah, it was bad. I was livid. I, I called you on the phone last night. I had like an hour and 20 minutes of you your said, ear. You said you got five minutes. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. And an hour and 20 minutes later, I was still raging. I was talking to my friend in Australia. I was sending him voice notes. He, it was 8.46 in the morning. He just opened up his laptop and had some bad news at work, watched Arsenal and had me going berserk down the uh, phone it, at him. I, I, you know, I was fuming last night. I've calmed down a lot today, but I'm still coming off a long run for this one, I think. Yeah, everything about it I was like so uplifted for. Like The results had gone in our way over the weekend. A couple of big teams had dropped points. Leicester had Vardy on the bench, Soyuncu out. They were weaker. and No end did he. And the team I saw him put together was I, I would have liked to have seen Pepe start. I wanted to see Cedric at right back. I'd said this to you, i come under a bit of scrutiny on our Twitter account for this, but I wanted to see Bellerin just, just warm the bench up for a game. And then the team come out and he's playing a Bamiang on the right side and it infuriated me. Yeah, he is just misusing a Bamiang fully. You know, he is trying to incorporate inferior players into our front three by moving Aubameyang to accommodate them. He is your talisman. He is your star player. He is the big buck centre forward that we've just signed up for a new contract. He's got to Your be, captain. Your captain. He's got to be playing in his best position because that's where he's best. And I bring that back to the captain point. Largely over the last, I'd say 20 years, because Wenger was infamous for it, your best player was your captain. You know, for a while before Henri really settled, it was Adams. You know, he was Mr. Arsenal. Then Henri was captain for a long period. Fabregas was by far Arsenal's best player. Vieira. Van Persie. <clears throat> And now Aubameyang, and he, I don't know what captain credentials he has. I actually quite like him. He seems like a stalwart professional, but he's by far our best player that's available currently. And he's just having to jot around the front three. And he just looked completely lost. And I know everything falls on the love and support that Bakayo Saka is getting at the moment. And what a talent he looks like. I mean, really. He's a, he's a brilliant little player. Oh, I've, phenomenal. You know, again, he, he, he shone again yesterday. Yeah. His rise to fame at Arsenal has come from playing four or five positions. You know, he's been used at left back, left wing back, central midfield, cam, left wing, right wing. So he is having to... The veritable Swiss army knife. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he <coughs> is. But 
I would have liked to have seen Aubameyang in the nine. I would have liked to have seen Pepe play again. He was great in the league against Sheffield United. He still he had a bit of a spark about him, I thought, in the Vienna game. Like He wants to get at players. We knew that they, that Rodgers was going to do the shithousery. We just knew it was going to come. You predicted it. I mean, oh, you called it to I, a I called tee. it. I called it and I said, this is going to get mugged off here. It's awful. You know, Arteta said, he suggested in his post-match that we controlled the game. No, he didn't. We didn't control the game. You know, we looked like we were controlling that first I half. I think we were controlled. I think Leicester controlled Leicester us. Leicester knew it was Foreman Muhammad Ali, the thriller in Manila, rope dope They knew exactly what they had to do. Let them play. We'll play deep. They'll press up at us. We'll just allow the game to come and we're going to bring Vardy on with half an hour left because that's all he's got. And then we'll nick a goal. And they did it. We were punched out. We were bereft of ideas. We didn't have a clue. There was no fluidity, no creativity and no result. Yeah, and and we were excited because he'd gone to a 4-3-3, you know, but the three in the middle was so flat. It was a straight line, Jacka party, Ceballos. I was expecting really to probably see Ceballos kind of at the top of a triangle, you know, trying to play the transition between midfield and attack. You know, and Party and Xhaka would sit in. Xhaka in the first half, I thought, looked quite good. You know, in the kind of pocket, deep playmaker. He is a good passer of the football when he has time on the ball. Him and Party together, they look good together. They're they like do. Michelle Keegan and Mark Wright. You know, <laughs> two good-looking people forming a couple. Oh. The babies that could be made there, they're going to come out with brilliantly white teeth, straight as a die, and they're going to look gorgeous. And that's Fine what, skin. Yeah, that's what I think Party and... Xhaka looked much better on the ball. He almost looked like he had a, a weight off his shoulders that he had some behind him that was going to do a lot of the work. You know, I, I think if you go back to... I'm not comparing these players because they're not really comparable. But when Gilberto played alongside Vieira, Vieira's prowess in moving forward and how he glided amount around the pitch... It'd be he more petite, really. You yeah. know, left-footed, deep-lying playmaker, looking at the game ahead of him, free-flowing. You know, and Xhaka has that ability. You know, Xhaka played that killer pass along the carpet, um, which unlocks Saka in the first half. And that is what he's got in his game. But the game came on and Leicester started to take control. And when that disallowed goal, which we'll get to in a second, because it needs time, but when that disallowed goal well, you know, was disallowed, and Lacazette didn't take that chance from five yards. You know, the longer the clock ticked, the more nervous we got, the more anxious we got, the more closer it was to Vardy time. They changed their formation. They changed how they were playing. They had the players that were going to start running in behind us. You know, we had Louise and Gabrielle that were pressing high up. And if you look at some of the uh, the highlights and you look at the way we played, we were pressing right up at mm. Leicester. You know, our, our back four were virtually halfway line and above. I thought the first half an hour, we looked really solid. We had a really good shape. We were playing with discipline. And we were creating chances, albeit we weren't testing Schmeichel. But we just looked, start, we started to look lethargic really quick. And we lost all of our fizz. Yeah, all our, oh, the va-va-voom was suitably taken. And it just started playing into Leicester's hands. And, and, and if that was Roger's game plan and he's played it down to a tee, then hats off. It was managerial excellence, you know, like it was colossus. You know, his tactics were great. And, you know, get us to 60 minutes and then bring on Thrush. <laughs> yes. Now, so, you know that Thrush is going to score against us every time he plays. goal against Arsenal. Yeah, only Rooney has done that more. And uh, do you know what really annoys me? The fact we've got a stat like that. Yeah. You know, who has a stat like that? Oh, he always scores against Drogba Arsenal. Drogba has it against Arsenal. Yeah, you know. The goal was poor. I mean, 
Let's start at the top of the game. We're happy with the team sheet. We're happy with the 4-3-3. We're unhappy with the place that the players are having as a start position. I don't want to see Aubameyang right. I want him to just swap to the left. And when he subsequently does, he creates our best chance of the game. He's been ruined. It's baffling. So five, six minutes in, I've now watched a lot of technical review and a lot of pundits comment on this goal a lot of professionals and analysis and and I watched a really interesting piece earlier with Shearer and Wright and I thought it was going to be Wrighty who was going to lose his can to be fair but Shearer was going berserk at the VAR and they had Dermot Gallagher in the um in the booth as well and Shearer was like beating him with a stick to say Dermot like call this and Dermot said look I can't side with the decision that the referee and his assistant have made here and the analysis was to bottom line it was that the assistant and the referee have made a decision that they have not actually consulted with VAR because they are content between the two of them that Xhaka has interfered with Schmeichel from an offside position at the point the ball leaves Lacazette's head. But one of them has the opinion as from the assistant's view that Xhaka is directly in front of Schmeichel. Referee then confirms no, he's not. He's two yards to the left of him. And they don't come together to think, hang on a second, there's a margin here between my opinion and your opinion. Let's consult VAR or go to the screen. That is exactly what VAR has been brought in to do. Absolutely. It is to remove the absolute stinkers from the game. It's complete fuckery. To give clarity to decision after decision. We have been done out of a goal there. No questions about it. Every single pundit on television, whether it's Leon Osman and Tim Cahill on Match of the Day 2 last night, whether it's Righty and Shearer, you know, you can go for your pundits and they will give you the same process of elimination. That is a goal that should have stood. It's bollocks. It's, it's complete, absolute bollocks. And it's only really the team performance that's gone on beyond that that's kind of moved me away because Lacazette should score thereafter and Arsenal should continue creating. You know, I've, I've, I jokingly mentioned Foreman Ali with Roper Dope, you know, In that fight, if Foreman knocks Ali down and knocks him out, then he don't get to the 12th round and win him, beat him. So if we get a goal that we rightly should have been awarded and we won nil up, it changes the match. And that's, that's wrong. You know, it means that maybe the next point we talk about, Lacazette missing another sitter... I mean, they're not all... A sitter, in my opinion, is somewhat of an open goal from, you know, from point-blank range. The chance against Liverpool is in one-on-one with one of the best keepers in Europe is not a sitter. But a clinical striker with Lacazette's record needs to do better. Yeah, against Manchester City... Must do better. The point I'm making is, in the three chances that he's had in the last three big games, Leicester, Man City and Liverpool, without a doubt, is big opposition. He has to take at least one of those. He must do, and it's cost us dearly. Yeah, we've now dropped nine points in our first six games, so we're three, three and oh. Once again, still losing against teams that have been in the top six. Yeah, and it's the cutting edge because Vardy hasn't got a sniff of the ball in 30 minutes outside of his goal and he takes his chance and that's it. That was a great oh, no. finish. Actually, saying that, fuck me, Leno makes a phenomenal save at the end to prevent it being 2-0. Yes. So Vardy gets in on goal twice, takes one and he's denied by a great point-blank save which I think hits him in the face, to be honest, but he makes himself big. But he has to do better and it just infuriates me 
you know, the same way that we're not creating chances, and we'll get to this very soon, our number nine is getting into positions and getting behind chances where you continually hear yourself say, oh, if Aubameyang was in that position, he would score. I think Lacazette isn't good enough at the moment. He needs time away from the team. I'm actually going to say that if you go back to the last transfer, I think we made a mistake by not really trying to offload him. I think that we talked about this during the window and I said, who have we got to replace him? Eddie's not ready. Martinelli's injured. But it's only when you see how he's playing Aubameyang in our team, that's who we've got to replace him. Aubameyang is exactly who plays number nine for us because yeah. he's brilliant at it. He's a centre forward. And that's our issue. Our he spent issue, his whole career pre-Arsenal in that position. Our issue is we did have that player to replace him that I was talking about. Yeah, we should have moved him on. And all of a sudden you move him on, that frees up so much more funds for the team. It was Jumberg, very interestingly, when he dropped him, uh, when he was in charge, Freddie Jumberg, he dropped him and said, well, by playing them both, there's an imbalance in the side. And that's being shown that, that Freddie Jumberg, Arsenal legend, is right. And there is an imbalance in the side of them. Because you can't play how you want to play. Well, Burkham had to adapt his game to play at Von Rie. Because he came to Arsenal kind of as a forward. And then Henri had to adapt his game to play at Arsenal as well. Yeah, absolutely right. And we don't play a 4-4-2, you know. And we, we haven't for years, really. So Henri did adapt his game and play more of a left forward. And Burkamp became a shadow striker, I think they call it. You know, a, a, a false nine almost. I'm just going through this time and time again. And Liverpool and Leicester, Lacazette has missed chances that would have changed the game. Would have changed the game potentially to a point where we would have been victorious. Yeah. And I feel very strongly about this. He's had a goal chalked off that should have stood. Yeah, I mean, that that is unfair because that's a great climb and that's a great header. And he has done everything he needs to do there, Lacazette. It's one of the few times that we've actually got a corner into the box correctly, beating the front man as well. Yeah. You know, I, I just think it's really... But the, but the steal, actually, the steal where you see the ball leave his head, because they obviously use the point of contact as a pass for the offside, he is like a salmon, fresh out of water. Like, you know, he's a great climb, it's a great header, and he has been denied a goal there. Whilst we are criticising him, the fine lines in football are such a sore thing, because that would be his fourth goal in six games, and we're cutting him up. But he should have scored more. No, I agree. I totally agree. And he did come to Arsenal, a 25-30 goal a season player. And he has changed his game up and, and started doing... A, he does a lot of dirty work, Lacazette. He works hard, but yeah. He... I'm, I'm starting to get annoyed with it now because this is not against Alexander Lacazette. He's a great centre-forward. Yeah. However, he is taking the place... He's, he shouldn't be playing in the number nine no, position. No, I, I think there is... We, I think we have one of the top five number nines in Europe at our hands. You know, you, you think Kane, you think Lewandowski, you think Luis Suarez, and then I don't, I don't really know whether you, where you can go without going to a Bamiang. Bamiang is a fine, fine player, and he's being consistently misused in a match. My biggest thing that's fucked me off to high heaven about Aubameyang that I said to you last night in my in my 80-minute rant that should have lasted five minutes was Aubameyang hasn't had a clear-cut chance created for him in the Premier League this season. Other than the chance that Willian created for him against Fulham. But, you know, he had a lot of work to do from there and he dribbles the ball 20 yards and scores from 25. 
But he's not I, scored in five league games. No, he hasn't. But he hasn't had a chance. Well, he had he had a half chance in the Leicester game, but he hasn't had a big chance created. He's not getting in on goal. You know, he is a fine eater at the wrong end of the buffet. Yeah, that's it. You know, Arteta is continuously changing the front three as well. This tinkering that he's doing with that front three is costing us. I actually hold issue with Arteta. I've said this to you a couple of times now. I, what is Arteta's best 11? He, I don't think he knows. Doesn't know it at all, does he? I mean, Emery did the same thing as well. Emery kept on changing the team. And yeah. it, you don't get the rhythm in the side. And if you don't get the rhythm in the side, they don't know how to play. Each but it was one other. thing that fans actually used to smoke Wenger about because he would play players consistently for long periods of time. You know, playing sport myself, not to the level of this, but to your own levels, you, you find a rhythm like over a course of time, just minutes within a position allow you just to get better. It's like learning a piece of music or reciting a song, you know. It's practice, 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 repetition, repetition, repetition. And Wenger wouldn't change that. If he thought that a player would work and he kind of used the Moneyball program because he was such an economist, he would say that I will win more games with this person in this position than that person. And he would run with it. And it's my biggest critique of, of Arteta. He is tinkering so much. And it's the only thing really, in my opinion, that's showing how raw he is because this is his first job as a manager. He picks a team. He is accountable for the team being picked. He's made some really strange tactical playing decisions here. Obviously, he tinkers with the front three all the time. Yeah. Abamian Wright, Zaka here, Willian as the false nine. Willian as the false fucked. nine was ridiculous. And then you've got players like Pepe not getting a look in at all. Even when he played some games earlier on in the season where he's picked El Nene ahead of Xhaka and Ceballos. Why has he done that? You know, Ceballos playing in the... League Cup version of events against Liverpool over El Nenny, who played in the league game against Liverpool, were like chalk and cheese in retrospect of, of how they'd done. And Sabayas actually coming on in the second half of the Liverpool game inspired us, you know, because we didn't have the technical ability to actually get out of our own half. And it became a bit of a drill exercise for Liverpool in that game. I don't understand this fascination with, with, with El Nenny. I just I do not fucking get it. You know, to Wenger, he was dead as a player. Yeah, he wouldn't have played. He would not have played. And if Wenger was submitting this squad, categorically, he would have shipped him out on loan to the fucking arse end of the world or he would just be sitting with the 23s. That would be it. He would not be named... Certainly over fucking Meza Ozil, who's technically one of the most gifted players of the Emirates era. You're getting me going now. I'm, I'm, I'm revving up. I'm going through the gears now. Okay. What do you think about Ceballos? I don't actually rate him that much. I get stick off my pals for this. But I think it is just a term of where the central midfield position at Arsenal has gone on the decline for the last decade where people think that he's a good player because he is not Arsenal quality. Technically on the ball, not as good as Cazorla, Wilshere, Ramsey. He's arguably the All same... All three players moved on by Emery. Arguably, he's the same quality as a technical footballer as someone like a Danielson, who an Arsenal fan thought was a defunct kind of version of, of a fringe player. I mean, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking we've got him playing. Obviously, we're playing Madrid. But what does he add for you? What does Ceballos give you in the midfield? He doesn't. He doesn't give me what I want. Yeah, but what, and, what, and what do you think he came to Arsenal as? A number eight? I, I a was, number six? I was looking at him. Where's number eight? He's come as a number eight. That's the position you're looking at him. He's taken, he's taken Aaron Ramsey's shirt 
arguably wants to fill Aaron Ramsey's boots. Mm-hmm. Zinedine Zidane's been happy to ship him out now for, for two seasons. And because Zinedine they Zidane... They didn't even turn over, really. Didn't even put up a fight to let us loan him again this season. No. I mean, it was us or Celta Vigo or something. I mean, the fuck are they? No disrespect to Celta Vigo fans if you're listening. I think not signing Uwa and having Ceballos in a team... But I said to you... As you get as champagne you... from France and Carver from Spain. Come on. <laughs> yes. It's not good. I don't actually think that Ceballos adds anything to what we need. He's not a better passer of the ball than Xhaka. He travels with the ball out of defence fairly well. I always have concerns about the fact that he has more touches than he needs on the football. He always goes um, that one bit too far. I don't think he travels into the opposing half with penetration like Wilshere did in the height of his Arsenal career. And he hasn't got goals in him. He scored one good goal against Sheffield United in the FA Cup. But other than that, he doesn't look like scoring. And the only thing that really changes about him, the only thing really fluid about him is his, is his hairstyle. Do you think that... I don't, I don't I, he's just a good you know he's just a good team player you know he's just, there's nothing special about him and he is the person that is being picked to be one of the three in the midfield who is supposed to link transition between defense midfield and attack and he was absolutely amissable I thought in the game against Leicester I, I just cannot remember anything that he did so we've obviously looked at him to to be a creative spark in our midfield. He's an overseas player. Yeah. Uh, we've just talked about El Nene being in our midfield, and he is also an overseas player. Yeah. Both of them named in our 25-man Premier League squad. But you're always going to name Ceballos because you've paid £4 million to have him there for a year. He, he was one of the brighter lights in the closing part of last season when, I, I mean, I thought Arteta handled him with a plomb, you know? He was, he was like, he came into to the role and he's like, I don't think you're much. I'm going to coach you to be better, albeit I think Zidane must be rubbing his hands together because I'm a very technically gifted man-managing coach because I learned all those traits as an assistant at Manchester City and I'm probably going to hand you back to Real Madrid 10 or £15 million pound worth more than what you came here. And then he gets him back. But where he got exposed in some parts of last season, well, teams have had 50 games to work him out now. Yeah. But you go on about creative. I know where you're going to go with this. So you've got Sabat is an overseas player, but he has to get picked. Elneny is an overseas player, right? Talk to me. Are we ready? Yeah. So there we go. We lacked creativity so much and not having Ozil in the squad for in inverted commas, footballing reasons is a monstrosity. It's and a I'm f- going to say this now. Ozil plays in our 25-man squad. We beat Manchester City and we beat Leicester. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm saying it. Okay. Because I think I think that's true of us. Yeah. You know, we are playing... You know, Aubameyang is there. He's wanting to play up front. And we have somebody that can unlock defences. He is creative. We've brought in someone like Thomas Partey who will do the dirty work, the yeah. running around, yeah. the sweating. He is the player that Ozil's probably prayed Arsenal signed for years, to be fair. 
You know, he did it with, he played with Kadira for yep. Germany. This, and this, at Real Madrid. Yeah, this, they, they came together, this workmanlike relationship. Yep. Kadira did all the, you know, Kadira peeled the potatoes and Ozil turned them into the finest roast potato. <laughs> Crispy on the outside, oh, fluffy in the middle. That's exactly, it. didn't he do our besties with them two at the table, but that was it. You know, and I think we've done that. And to admit him from our squad is absolutely preposterous. No, but it's not the way in which it's been done. It's the it's the aftermath of the footballing reasons in abbreviated commas and Arteta taking full responsibility. It's completely fucking shambolic. I mean, that's the thing. We didn't even know it was footballing reasons until Ozil came out and told us that he weren't allowed to play. Not allowed to play. Yeah, so the statement that he released obviously shows that there's some kind of agenda. He's, his gobshite agent is not making it any better for Ozil. But once you submit a squad, right, you can't... I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what the Premier League's view on is it. Are you allowed to make a special amendment because someone does a cruciate? Like, I don't... No, you're not. Yeah, exactly. Because you name a squad where you think you've got sufficient covering areas, right? And and that would incentivise the Premier League to boost uh, youth football by saying, well, if you've lost a, an overseas player to an injury, bring through one of the young scholars. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So yes, he, he, I'm he, steaming about this. Yeah, he's not playing. He plays, we win the game. Well, uh, the, the point is, around this time, exactly this date, I believe, in 2018, Ozil has arguably one of his best games in an Arsenal shirt against Leicester, where he single-handedly devours them. You know, it was one of the first games I managed he to He captained the side. He had a long spell out. Emery, had, Emery had, had not found his peace with Ozil. You know, another manager issue with Ozil. Ozil is an emotive guy, you know, and he wants to feel loved. I mean, I think a lot of the players talk about having great relationships with him. He, ha- he loves now London. He's made it his home. He loves the club. He's come out and confessed he's in love with Arsenal, in love with London. And he needs to feel a feeling of endearment, right? And in that game against Leicester, we beat them 3-1. He, he, he fucking rocked the show. I mean, he was involved in everything. Brilliant. The, the one-touch football you know, the setting up, the dummies. And one of the things that Ozil used to do for Arsenal, that his ability to walk away from the ball, creating space for others behind him, was phenomenal by just not touching it. The master of getting in the pocket. I am, you know, football, what, what, what are footballing reasons? What possible footballing reason? Well, there isn't one. I, I, I'm, I categorically, and I, I know we don't want to go into politics, but I think we're going to have to. I categorically cannot come to terms because the way teams now know to play against us is that we will play a quite a high line. We'll press high from the front. Arteta will try and compress the pitch into small areas, right? And he wants to kind of use a bit of tick attack, a bit of gag and press, right? But yesterday's game, the way that Rogers set Leicester up with all 10 of his own players in his own half, they want to kind of go bang, 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 bang on a counter if they get a look in. For Yuri Tillman, he's a great player. Ozil is the ideal player for yesterday, isn't he? He's got the ball at his feet with the game ahead of him and he's got to try and put a needle in a haystack, right? He has got talent all of a sudden to play with. You know, he's got the likes of Saka, Nketiah, Lacazette, Aubameyang, Pepe, William. He's now servicing serious players. You know, after having a career of Shamak, fucking Bentner, uh, Walcott, Giroud, Welbeck. You know, now all of a sudden he's like, you know, he's at a dining table with people that really know about Michelin star restaurants, you know, and they've got a palate for this sort of stuff. It's infuriating. But this has to be, Bob, right? 
This has to be a political thing, right? I just can't. There's too many pundits now. Paul Merson had a lovely interview this week, and and I actually think he's he's actually a great even, pundit. Even Tim Sherwood came out in favour. I know, <laughs> and and Dion Dublin, you know, from uh, Homes Under the Hammer. Yes, fine show, by the way. In, in through the front door. There's the stairs up to the bedroom. <laughs> That's what he says in every episode. <laughs> yes, you need to watch that. He does. It's he brilliant. Does. You know, if you watch it with someone that's not seen it before, you say, watch what he says. I bet he says the stairs leading up to the bedrooms. I bet you he says it. And there we go. And they look at you if you're some sort of Jedi that you've written a script for him. How did you even know the floor plan off by well, heart? You know, he's there playing on a Jew at the same time. <laughs> but no, no. So they all, they, as you write, they said that was Soccer Saturday with Jeff at the helm. Yes. And they were saying, you know, there is no other player with the technical ability of creating goals in the Arsenal squad who is rightly at the same level as this guy. All three of them class him as our best player. Yes, uh, bizarre that as well, to be fair, because that's a some statement. And like you said, the signed party, the signed the player now who will who will usher a Xhaka next to them and assure solidarity in the midfield. You've now got you've got a real find at centre half in Gabriel. So you're developing a spine. But you've got a real problem, again, as I said to you, about fucking defence is good, midfield is there from a defensive mindset, and then you've got a forward line and nothing's connecting it. You've just got two negative batteries, it's just like there's no charge. And this footballing reasons is bullshit. So I hold two issues here. One from a political aspect and also one from another soft belly ownership aspect. They've promoted Arteta into a managerial position knowing a couple of things were coming out because one, they've not gone heavy enough in the transfer market and fans were going to say time and time again, we've missed our opportunity. We've always been one or two players short. We've not seen key investments when we should have gone for it. Like missing out on a while. I told you that would fuck us, right? And yeah, you 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 are right. I reckon it has fucked us. And, and the, the reason second, it's fucked off is because we've not put Urzel in the squad. Yeah, and the second point is, right, is that they've promoted Arteta to manager and they've just put him in the Wenger guys now. Now you're manager, you're responsible for fucking everything and you protect the Americans. It fucks me. There's no it's like it's like some weird kind of sorcery that means that Cronky and the gang just don't get beaten up for anything. Everything's the players, the squad, the kind of lack of transfers. But that doesn't actually go up to the guy with the checkbook who's not putting 150 million quid into this squad. To suggest it's footballing reasons, and I will come back to this because that's what they're... You know, right? I watched the same um, clip on Soccer Saturday as you. That's what he's training with the first team squad. So there's obviously no issues. He's obviously a good guy. He's obviously no trouble. You know, and I thought that that was a really good piece that they said they just went for it. All three of them have basically turned and said, this is, this is hierarchy at the club. There's no way that Mikel Arteta, that when he first took over the club, gave Ozil a huge run in the side. Yeah. And he played some decent football. He was one of our leading chance creators at 2.6 chances a game. <laughs> We're now not even getting anywhere near that creation right. a game. I think our second, you know, I think uh, last season Pepe was about 1.9. And Pepe at 1.9. But he don't get a look in either. Yeah, <laughs> so... So, so this thing now, right, you've got to go down to the kind of run of events. And I said to you earlier, fine lines in football. And I'm just going to say, firstly, what Marcus Rashford has done in football, well, not in football, but he's been he's had a great in start society. to his career. In society, is exemplary. And he deserves all of the plaudits that come with it. 
And and fair play, Marcus Rashford. No, you won't be listening, but um, he's obviously a key candidate for Sports Personality of the Year. Absolutely, and and what he is doing in in dipping his hand into his own pocket, using his social platforms as a medium to speak out and help the children in this country that are suffering. I absolutely hold it in aplomb. But when athletes get involved in politics, it's a fine line, and Özil's situation that was involved with the treatment or so he believes treatment of um, the Muslim religion in China has led to huge kickback and he is a, a, a very passionate Muslim from what I understand just need you just need to go to Arsenal to watch the way he prays and I think he follows all elements of the belief and you know, and he has come out with his comments um, in December 2019. And subsequently, I think it's had some fallback. So some people that say that it's footballing reason or it's not to do with politics, I think it's bollocks. I think you've got to remember a couple of facts here. China are one of the biggest contributors to Premier League TV rights. So there's a huge investment into the Premier League from China-based PLCs. But it was immediately dropped from... Uh, the Chinese version of Pro Evolution Soccer. Yeah, who are a linked game with Arsenal, you know? Well, well official. yeah, official sponsor. But I think they, they hold stock with a few of the Premier League clubs. But yeah, so the, but the Chinese version of, of the game, Urza, was deleted from it. Commentators in China refused, when covering Arsenal games, refused to say his name. And I think they've come to review the TV rights in this country... I think they might have used some weight and, and it's been lent on Arsenal. And I honestly think Ozil and his team, like because Ozil was not, freedom of speech is something that he's very righteous for. I think they'll go full fucking throttle and expose the whole thing. So what you're saying to me is someone somewhere has turned up at Arsenal's door and said that you can't play Ozil anymore because we're going to cut so- off the money. So, well, let's go through the, the motions on footballing reasons then, right? So we did some stats analysis earlier. Yes. Right, and and I said to you, right, Meza Ozil, chance creation per minute at Arsenal, I bet it is in and around, like, people that have been perceived in this division as legendary status. So, yeah, and it is. And we let's give you some numbers. And how we got to those numbers is we looked at... How many games a person played? How many minutes per game that person played? Yeah. How many goals they scored and how many assists they created? So it gives you a a true reflection on what they do. Of goal contributions per minute. Yeah. And uh, we looked at some players who across... Oh, sorry, minutes per goal contribution. Perfect. So I always get that muddled up. But we looked at some players, mainly from Arsenal, and also some people that had been you know, heralded as Premier League legends, or, or, or if that ilk. And he's right in the mix, Bob, right? Sorry, Meza Ozil's Arsenal career, he's played 254 games, just shy of 21,000 minutes. Scored 44 goals, set up 77, which means he's... Goals involve ratio is 0.47 a game, which basically is 172 minutes he will contribute in some way, shape or form. An assist or a goal. And a a goal to Arsenal Football Club. He will directly lead to something that gives a goal, whether it's him putting the ball in the back of the net. So every 172 minutes, right? 90 minutes in a game. So if he plays the full 90 minutes, something will happen every two games. Correct. Now... Let's put Fabricus into that mix. We're looking at Arsenal stats here only, not throughout his whole career. Yeah. Fabricus is coming in 160 minutes. 
Right, okay. So, so almost very similar there. Yeah. So, okay, now let's bring up a Premier League legend in Steven Gerrard. Perfect. Steven Gerrard, 179 minutes. Right. So that's literally one guy every two games. Well, yeah, I mean, games. arguably he was an eight, but he was a goal-scoring, like, travelling into the box eight. I mean, he penalty taker. More... Penalty taker, very good point. Ozil can't take penalties for love nor money. We know that. Dennis Bergkamp. And Fabregas, by the way, took penalties at he Arsenal. He did, he was a set-piece taker. Was our top scorer one season. And when you could be top goal-scorer of the football club one season, that slightly weights that in. Yeah. Shall I give you my favourite one? Yeah. Okay, so if you want to look at it, Thierry Henry. Oh, go on. Stats for Arsenal. He contributed... A goal every 91 minutes. Outrageous. So that means if you pick Thierry Henry, you have a guaranteed goal (laughs) a game. That's unreal. So who's on the team? Henry, we're 1-0 down. (laughs) Doesn't matter, we're 1-0 down. I said to you, look at Van Persie, I bet it's ridiculous. And you did. 99. Unreal from Robin. Sub 100. You know, we have gone through this and we've looked at Premier League legends. Bergkamp though. Burkamp was at 1-4-2. Unreal. But if goal scorer, you know, then you can go down and see Paul Pogba playing for Manchester United at 199. Yeah. Paid 90 million quid for him. Frank Lampard at Chelsea. Yeah. Give me a thing. A lot of goals, their all-time leading scorer. Yeah, he didn't assist many, but he scored 20 goals a season, so he must be like, he, he'd be good. 148.9. Yeah, and that's, not... that's, 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 you would have thought lesser. You know, Eden Hazard coming at 133. Fantastic. Paul Scholes. Uh, I mean, it was a past master, but it was a lot of the past before the past, but 200 probably. 228. Yeah. You know, and, and in contrast, let's have a look at two of our current My favourite non-Arsenal player of my life, Scholes and Zidane. Really? Yeah, Scholes is, was a joke. Uh, let's look at two current Arsenal players. Yep. So let's look at their career stats in this instance, Aubameyang and Lacazette. Mm-hmm. Aubameyang is 105 minutes, so he will contribute a goal every 105 minutes. Arsenal career? Arsenal career. Okay. And uh, Lacazette will contribute a goal every 119 minutes. Wow! Yeah, surprisingly high assist record there, I'm thinking. Because they include um, they include drawing fouls in the box, like penalties now, don't they, as well, and... Lacazette's close, Lacazette's close control in the box. He actually is... He's a good link-up player. I'm not... Like, well, I am shocked at that, but I'm, no, I'm not... When you've got a player in your squad who's a goal every 119 minutes, you kind of had to play him. De Bruyne is 116. Fuck me, that's phenomenal. But, OK, so that's interesting. We're also worried about our chance creations. Last season, his first full season at Arsenal Football Club, Nicola Pepe... Yes, was 150. That's amazing. But can you imagine then, right, on that line, I think you said Lampard was 147. Yeah. And can you imagine a a manager now, right, because the only thing that divides opinion is a high price tag, but can you imagine a manager now contemplating picking Frank Lampard? Yeah, he would be your first name on the team sheet. Lampard and Terry were guaranteed players at Chelsea their whole careers. And this is the point. Pepe's first season at Arsenal was not an embarrassment. Coming in, you said earlier, eight goals, 10 assists, 18 contributions, right? He rarely started and finished games. So to have a contribution every 150 minutes, the guy needs a run in the team now. Yeah, he has to play. And that's going back to that front three, Arteta's tinkery. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not got the squad to tinker like the famous Ranieri did. 
But this is my... and I, So I love Arteta. I loved him as a player. I loved his career, actually, as a footballer. Just a nice footballer to watch. And he often played so nicely in his Everton career and his Arsenal career about helping transition from back to front. And he is playing around with a side way too much where they're just not getting enough of a feel for their their, their compatriots and their playing partners to to just get into the fluidity of moving the ball back to front. And the game against Leicester told me so much about Arteta being a little bit way off the mark when Gabriel and Louise were our two most creative players. We ended up getting the ball in the pocket and using our centre-halves to hit diagonals to try and get like in behind. quarterbacks. Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck? This is Arsenal Football Club. This is not the football that we are used to playing. I mean, the football, I'm going to say this, Arguably, the football was better under Emery. It was not enjoyable to watch at all, this game. Now, I think that's it. What You're Mikel Arteta right now. Yeah. What is going through your head knowing that you are paying a bloke nigh on 250, 350 if it's reported, £1,000 a week to do nothing? I mean, this is the point, right? <sighs> You've not signed a war because we now understand or we believe that reported agent fees were the issue, yeah? The brother wanted seven, eight, nine, ten million quid, right? But you've not sold Falarin Balagon to Sheffield United, who offered 6.3 million quid. That would have had to have been all cash, really, because it's Premier League to Premier League club, mm-hmm. right? So Balogun's now in the last year of his Arsenal career. Rumours starting to come around that he might sign a new deal at Arsenal, but he's getting nowhere near the first team. Well, I mean, going back to so, that Tim Sherwood point... But, but let me just... So, so 6.3 million, cash it in, pay, pay the money straight to Lil for me, please, or Leon, sorry, right? Pay Awar's brother, bring Awar in. What I don't understand about is Arsenal are not a club that will be bereft of cash flow. So if this guy's fucking toxic and he is a, a problem with commercial sponsors, yeah, just fucking pay out his contract and just delete it. Just have this media bullshit and all of this kind of fan reaction after every game where our chance creation is fucked and just say, here is the remainder of your contract. It will be debited in your account at Friday at five o'clock, like wages off an hour, and just please pack your bags and fuck off. Yeah, and they're not doing that. And, and so they're just inviting shithousery from they're every They're inviting, angle. shouting, screaming Arsenal fans at them because there is an asset of brilliant quality, you know, like him or hate him as a or he's a fine footballer. Mate, technically the most gifted player we have had in the Emirates era. I mean, that, uh, he is right up there. And the stats you've just provided show it time and time again. Because the last hundred games he's probably played at Arsenal have been under duress, right? And he still managed to retain a chance creation of 172 minutes. Like, you know, where he's contributed a goal or an assist, which is right in the upper echelons of the players around him who are in the peak of their career in better teams. Because this Arsenal team, by the way, is fucking rubbish. Yeah, it's got great players, but it doesn't know what it's doing. And shots per goal, we are 45, 50% down on where we've been in the past season. Yeah, I mean, Wenger's last season, we had six, we were averaging 16 shots a game. Yeah, we're now averaging nine, eight. Yeah, 8.8. And last season, we averaged 12.3 shots a game. So it's just declining. We're just becoming boring, boring Arsenal again, but we can't keep fucking clean sheets and we can't win 1-0. 
Yeah, that's it. We're, we're not creating chances to win one We're never going to score. We're never going to have seen scores exactly. since we won't so, win. So how can you have the audacity to turn around and say, we are prepared to pay someone £18 million not to play for this football club while being completely inept creatively? You can't. Imagine if you're the 55 people that are made redundant and the reason for you being made redundant is... Sorry, you work on the match day. We don't have fans here, so we don't need you. So people that were being paid not £18 million to do nothing. So all of a sudden, you get rid of those people that are doing nothing on their little wages. That really actually affects their livelihoods. And then you famously go in the mainstream media and the big wide world and say, you know what? Contrary to the 55 people we've just made redundant, including that bloody dinosaur... (laughs) Yeah. We're going to do it with Meza Erzl reported at the time. You know, this decision not to register him was done before Aubameyang signed his contract. 100%. So he would have been our top. Well, the decision not to play him happened post-COVID lockdown. So this has been something that's happened. Not, and It's just come to fruition. And, and, and that's why I don't like... Erzl's been playing up until the, the pandemic... China obviously dealt with the pandemic way before we did, so they're probably otherwise um, detained with something that was just about to fucking rock the universe. And then we go into a state of lockdown, and there's enough time now for people to start clacking their heels and fucking running their mouths, right? And something has happened in the operating power prowess of... Remember Arsenal's a PLC, it's a business, yeah, it runs a balance sheet. Something has happened where someone's leaning on it and they say, play Ozil, yeah, at your demise, because it will cost you more money than it will to win the league, to win trophies. It has to be that. Has to be. You ca- It can't be for footballing reasons. Meza Ozil gets in every fucking squad in this league. He's training in the first team still. There's no, le- there's no team in this, in this league who don't name him in their 25 men. No, every team will. I, I believe they would, honestly. I will and they co- would leave players out if they couldn't. Your, your analysis will come in and say, this guy on paper will contribute a goal or an assist every 172 minutes. So I don't know what you think, but we've got X, Y and Z and we've got A, B and C. So they're not doing that because it's right in the window of people that have played in this league that have been class acts. You know, if he plays 500 games for Arsenal, he contributes 250 goals. Like, I mean, that's kind of getting towards statue numbers. Well, in, in his 254 games for Arsenal, he's contributed 121. That's what I mean. That's it. You know, double it, double it, treble it. You know, that's, that's, it's so not right. It smells bad. And unfortunately, but the Ar- club. And this is fucking, Arsenal have done this now for years. With players, they have just got into relationships with players where it's just been a fucking calamity. Ramsey into the last year of his contract, puts the club under, right? Leaves, goes to Juventus on a free. You don't let a 50 million quid asset walk out the door for free. What the fuck are you doing? And that was an asset that you could have signed. Yes. That wasn't an RVP or an Ashley Cole or other players that, that have made their mind up they were leaving. A Sami Nasri, for example. Yeah, Fabregas. Like, hold Arsenal to account for a, for a couple of years. All right, to be fair, like, you know, he extended and stayed. But, like, we ended up getting shithoused by Barcelona for 25 million. You know, when players were going around the world at 40, 45 at the time, he just had a season where he'd contributed something like 35 goals in a season. Scored 19, had 15 or 16 assists. You know, fucking Henri walked out the door for 15 million quid. What yeah. the fuck is that? And then 
we'll paverzle and just destroy. Sanchez did it to Arsenal. Like, took us to account. We end up getting fucking Mkhitaryan on a swap deal. You know, it's bollocks. You know, you look at this, right? Your player that is one of your top three players in, in the summer, in Martinez, fills in for Leno, who has an injury, guides you to an FA Cup win, like, starts to change your league form, yeah? Arguably, he's playing the best football of his career. And you sell him. And you sell him. To fund fucking what? To fund nothing. Well, you've sold him so you can pay Ozil for not playing. Yeah, that, that covers... His transfer fee covers a year of Ozil's wages. I'm absolutely flabbergasted about this. When it happened... Well, we knew it was going to happen. We, we said it was going to happen. But we were looking at it from a totally different thing. And then all of a sudden you, you, you take steps back and it's like we haven't made any attempts to improve what we need and we've got someone there to do it. But I don't, there is something cardinally wrong in the selling of players and moving players on and signing new contracts at Arsenal where there must be something where people think we are some kind of fucking clown outfit because we've not managed to get rid of Mustafi in this window to any entity in Europe and now someone's reporting today that we tried to fucking re-sign him on a new deal. And he turned and said no. I mean, the audacity of him. It is a joke. You couldn't give that cunt away, right, this summer. He is in the squad. He is another overseas player in the squad. But they've got Socrates on 90 grand a week. They they refused to let him go where he would be someone else's player. Three clubs, I think, said we'll take him on a free. We can't, we can't afford a transfer fee, right? We can't afford the cash. We'll take him on a free. We'll take his wages on. He's in a fucking delivery room with his wife asking the club to let him go. No, we'll keep you. We'll pay you four and a half million quid to sit at home with, like, bottle feeding your, your uh, new baby with a thumb up your ass. you know? What the fuck? You can't get rid of Guendouzi for a transfer fee. How can you not move on a guy like that I don't how, how can you not sell him or have an obligation to buy deal on him it's ridiculous you know it baffles me I just don't understand what like these transfer markets I know I keep coming back to them with you Bob yeah They're, the running of the football club in this sense is, is rubbish it's fucking appalling that is where it all roots from this Arteta must be sitting there in his home tonight and he must be looking around him going, what have I done? I don't, I don't know if he is. I, you know, I think he's probably thinking that he's got a good project on his hands. And, you know, the problem is there is so much promise around what he's got. But Arsenal just continually are in a position where they're just all so nearly. You know, you're, you're just always, you know, you're always one dot ball away from a maiden. It just infuriates me. And I, I come back to your point as well. Why didn't the club look into selling Lacazette? He's entered in... That was a two-year period. So you either renegotiating a deal, he's turned around and said they haven't looked at my deal yet, and Arteta's turned around and said, well, we're trying to get players in and we're trying to get players out, so his deal can wait. So he feels great, you know. Why have they not looked at moving Bellerin in? I've taken some stick from fucking Twitter. I said to you about Bellerin, I thought he was appalling. I thought he had a bad game again. I think he should have scored from eight yards out, hit it straight to Schmeichel, a bit of a Hollywood save. He was fucking nowhere near Vardy and Mustafi for the goal. Oh, him and Mustafi's positioning for that goal was utterly oh, was repulsive. I mean, he has had two 
horrendous injuries now, Bellerin. And, and, it's a, and it's a great shame. It really is, right? But don't, some people just don't recover from them. And there was talk about a 30, 35 million pound move for a player who I think cost us hundreds of thousands. Like, I'd have moved him on. I really would. 35 million quid would have done magic in this squad. Bearing in mind we're working at the bottom of the fucking chip fryer, yeah, after everyone else has been into the shop. So, like... I don't, I don't know why they've not considered it. Yeah, I don't know what fucking Ainsley Maitland-Niles needs to do to get a game in this team. Like, he's an England national now. And he, he is better than some of the players we're playing. And Definitely. He's, he's, he's got much more form about him as well. He, he looks like he cares He's an well. athlete. He travels. He's got a turn of foot. He's ice cold. I mean, if we want to start having kind of practice runs with new players in central midfield, give him a chance there. It's where he's wanted to play his whole fucking career. Well, I'm just baffled. You know, we, we talked about foreigners and overseas players in our squad. In the close season, we've done something, if reported correctly, ludicrous in offering Mustafi a new contract. That baffles the shit. I mean, I can he's only see news. He's turned around and said, no, no, I'll leave at the free at the end of the contract. But you put him in the squad above Ozil. Who's desperate to play. You then play another player... Well, you have a player like Mohamed Onene, who is inferior. You know, he's got all good intentions about him, but he's an inferior player, but he's in the squad Bob, ahead Bob. of us. You, you can't put fucking Mohamed Elneny in the same conversation as a player of of, of Meza Erzl. That's fucking... That's embarrassing that you, you'd say that. He's not technically worthy of lacing the bloke's boots. Exactly, but he's in the squad. But I, I don't know why. I, I can't answer you. The squad's been picked. It baffles me. We had seven centre-backs. You didn't need to name Mustafi in the team. We've got no creative midfielder. We actually don't have one. Unless he's going to ask William to start playing in the 10, which I didn't actually see him do too much at Chelsea. So I'm not sure if he's got credentials to play there, right? You haven't got one unless he's going to fucking promote Emil Smith-Rowe now. Try Saka in the 10 again and put someone out onto the wing. I, I, don't, I don't know. But you have got now a three-man midfield, which could be played as a triangle. And you have got the ideal candidate of someone who has played 500 career games in that position. And you've chosen to let him sit at home and commentate on Twitter during matches, which is just fucking embarrassing again for the club. Arsenal's Twitter admin is on £18 million a year. Yeah, exactly. It's, oh, it's preposterous. There's no one else doing shit like this at other clubs. No, no one would ever do that. You know, even clubs that you can consider are not managed really well. Like, a lot, Ed Woodward's taken a lot of flack for what he's done at United, but they would never do this. Well, they, they sort of are doing it with Van der Beek. I don't even know why they're not playing. The guy can't get a fucking minute at United, but then second half against Chelsea, United were elite, and we move on to the United game now. I'm shitting my fucking briefs going to United away next week. we get smashed if we play like that. We'll absolutely get smashed. We've not beaten them at their place for 14 years. We've gone up there with far superior teams playing far more inadequate Man United teams when the rise of Rashford actually came and he fucking put us over his knee and a Herrera and the like. You know, we. That was that game when uh, De Gaulle, uh, Van Gaal, jumped on the floor pretending yes. he'd done that. That was brilliantly funny. <laughs> he was a great character. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he had a red. I bet nose. they get a penalty. I bet United get a penalty this yes. week. And I bet you they get a penalty off of VAR. 
Van Gaal was someone who looked like he drank a lot of claret. He did drink a lot of red wine. A lot, a lot, a lot of red wine. <laughs> it is famous that he drank that much vin rouge. Yeah. It was brilliant. I, mean, I could like to go out on the night with him. Yes. Oh, yeah, Bob, we'll have some vin rouge. <laughs> I wouldn't mind to, thanks, Louis. Thank you. Yeah. We go into 11s. Again, I'm gonna, I want Leno in goal. No. Let me give you mine. Go on, you start. I've got it. I've got it right down. I need so, a moment. Leno in goal. Yeah. I'm going to start four at the back. I'm assuming that Louise is injured. Okay. I'm assuming he's injured. So I'm going to go Cedric, Saliba, Gabriel, Tierney. I'm dropping Bellerin and I'm playing Saliba. What we've seen is our other fit central defender in Mustafi be poor at the weekend. So give the other guy a chance. If he's poor, then you've not lost anything because Mustafi's poor. So give him a chance against, I think, a phenomenal defender in Gabriel, yeah. marshalling the bat line brilliantly. Give him that chance. Yeah. Then in midfield, I've got Party sitting behind Saka and Xhaka in a three. So not the, the triangle you were saying. Reverse but the, triangle. An inverted triangle, if you will. And then up front, I've got... Pepe, Willian, and Abamyang. But I'm playing Pepe just behind him. So it's almost like we're playing a diamond in midfield, Arsenal. Right. It's almost like we're playing a diamond. So you're playing I, Willian in the false nine? I'm playing Willian in a 10 roll. It's, well, it's not a diamond. It's like a fucking diamond with the fucking necklace. It looks like a diamond, doesn't it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I know, I'm playing Abamyang at nine with Pepe alongside him. I want pace to go at Man United's defence. I think we've got a great There's chance. no width there at all. We get exposed down the flanks. But, I mean, I would pick Leno, Cedric. I like Saliba at centre-half. I'm going to let you have that. Saliba, Gabriel, Tierney. I think that picks himself, that left-hand side. I'm going to stick with Xhaka and Party. I'm going to play Saka in the 10. Then I'm going to play Orba through the middle. Pepe right-hand side. Willian left-hand side. If he's fit. Yeah, or you got Reese Nelson that could possibly play. Yeah, he, he's probably starting to look like he deserves a shout. But he does at the moment. If we're not creating chances, may as well give him a try. Yeah. Like I said with Saliba, if the person you would pick normally isn't going to do the job, it's worth the risk. Yeah, I really hope actually Louise's was precautionary. But, you know, Louise is 32, 33 now. At the moment, we've got a massive squad and we're probably going to ask Louise to play 55, 60 games. He just probably can't do it. He's not got that in him, I'm afraid. And and so much goes through him. That's the problem. He's not only like integral to the defending of the team, he's integral to the attacking of the team. Yeah. You know, and he's important I, to us. Yeah, and I, I just fear Rashford. They've signed Cavani. He looked fucking good when he came on. He did. He looked bright as a button, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, and like, you know... I mean, they're bringing players like Pogba and Cavani on against Chelsea. Yeah. Against Chelsea, yeah, they're bringing him on. But that was shithousery from uh, Solskjaer to start the team that he started. It was baffling. Like, Daniel James is muck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they've got, they've, got, they've got players like Van der Beek who aren't getting minutes, you know. And Donny Van der Beek... He's dating fucking Bergkamp's daughter. He was in the price bracket we wanted to spend on a while. I'd like to think Bergkamp could have stuck a finger up his agent and said, don't don't cut them up for 10 million. You know, he would be the perfect number eight to come in. The little glimpses I've seen of Van Der Beek, he looks like a fine player. He's got a phenomenal name as well. Donny Van Der Beek. Yeah, I like that. 
It's, I might change my name to Donny van der Beek. Robbie van der Howe. Yeah, I believe he played in goal for United. <laughs> that was Raymond van der Howe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very good. So we haven't, won, we haven't won, as you rightly said, at United since September 2006. <sighs> It's a very, very long time ago. Yeah. I don't think we're winning there this weekend, neither. No, I, I don't. If Louise isn't fit, I fear for teams. Like, that that Man United team is starting to look a bit mighty duckish when they counter. And uh, it is it is at you. And you're, like, you're right. Like, they know how to... Um, they know how to... <laughs> I'm just imagining Emilio Estevez standing in the dugout at <laughs> yeah. Old Trafford. Yes. Go Ducks! <laughs> You are you are right. I can see a Bruno Fernandez fucking flying penalty or whatever he does where he loops up into the air and albeit Leno saved a couple this season. Um but Man United are starting you know, they they started their season late, obviously, because of the um commitments and they did look raw at at the start of the season when other teams had a bit more of a pre season, but they seem to have caught up a bit now. You know, bar a, a really good display by Chelsea's new keeper, Mendy. You know, they win that game. And they probably rightfully, I mean, battered. I mean, they did. I battered them Chelsea second should have, Chelsea should have got a pen. Yeah. They should have had that pen. Was there an argument for an Arsenal penalty? Was there not another high foot incident? There was also rumours of a handball. You know when Lacazette actually missed the sitter? Yes. They sh- they did actually take a little peek to see whether it touches Fuchs's hand. And I think it does. But they're just so baffled that Lacazette can't score from three yards. Yeah, they're like, they don't deserve a penalty. It's not a goal-scoring opportunity because the bastards missed it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, t- I just think VAR, we, we, we're going to talk VAR every week, I suspect, now because it's not being used correctly. And that's, that's a huge issue. And unfortunately, this season, we are on the wrong end of the stick. Yeah. And score prediction, Bob, for Man United game? 2-0 to Manchester United, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think we'll lose 2-1. You think we'll score? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, think, I, th- I just don't see Aubameyang having a, a, a patch. Like, I, I think he'll score every... Well, he scored against Vienna, and we'll, we'll touch on Vienna for a little bit. Yeah, I just think he will score in the league. I just can't imagine him, him, him misfiring again. Yeah, he's got to play through the middle. You know, have you ever... You must have seen Mike Bassett, England manager. Yeah, of course. He was, he's vilified for playing 4-4-2. Yeah. And he tries all these other formations and they say, no, you're rubbish. And in the end, he does his press conference where he says, holds up his packet of B&H where he's wrote down the team and said it 4-4 bloody 2 will be playing. Yeah. I just want Arteta to, you know, because I think obviously the team selections are him making them. Yeah. I just want him to, to listen to the fans a little bit, listen to the pundits a little bit. I don't always say that's the right thing to do, but Aubameyang has to play through the middle. He has to get his run there at some point this season. And I think Pepe deserves a run. You said it to me earlier, Ron. Sit him down at Colney this week. Say you're not playing against Dundalk. I'm going to give you a run of 10 games in the league. Win, lose or draw. You stay fit, not suspended. You'll play 10 games. Go do it. No pressure. Yeah, you'll get guaranteed 60 minutes. Your performance in the game will keep you on the pitch until the end of the game. Yep, go for it. And give me that consistency, that 150 number. If you provide that 150 number, you can't drop the guy. 
That 150 number is fucking super competitive. Arguably because you're in the front three, it should come down a little bit. But when you're giving hazard numbers at 133, it'd be interesting if you did hazards first season at Chelsea, you know, you're only 17 minutes apart. It's not a great deal. And Eden Hazard is being described as like, you know, they're comparing Hazard like, was he better than Henri and stupid bollocks like that if you get a baffled Chelsea fan who needs his fucking shoes tying. To say that Pepe's at 150, right, he's not in the wrong corridor. He's certainly down the right aisle. He's just looking for his seat. If Arteta does play a side that we think resembles, Tony Adams called it that he... Tony Adams has called two interesting things. Tony Adams is a great pundit. He's a guff manager. <laughs> he was director at football somewhere in Kazakhstan for a while. <laughs> But uh, most recent job, he was the president of the Rugby Football League. Rugby League, just the president. <laughs> what, what, what do you know about rugby? Oh, I don't. Um, I played for Arsenal. Why the fuck is he... Tony Adams is not from Eastern Europe. He's not French, neither. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know why I did that accent. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, just trying it, you know. it's a... But no, he said selling Martinez will cost Arsenal this season. That was a bad call. He also said that uh, Bellerin is a weak right back. If you're playing four across the back, they do need to be able to go forward and attack, but you need a more orthodox right back. You, you need someone who... This is the point I made to you about Cedric, yeah? And because he's come from Southampton or something, like people just think he's in superior. But like he is a more industrious right back. He's used to defending significantly more than Bellerin because Southampton would have 40% of the possession and he would have and Bellerin's used to having a team with 60 and he's a dead ball specialist Cedric you know he took free kicks for them yeah so you know obviously the moving balls are slightly different chalice but you'd like to think that he's probably a pretty fucking good crosser of football I would think he needs to get a, I, I would give him a chance I think United's a game to do it as well what are you going to lose? I mean, obviously... We've lost three of our first six league games. Like, you're not in last chance saloon by any means, but you're like, if you're fucking used to changing things up and you keep tinkering in the front front three, right, give Saliba and, and Cedric a run. For me, the way we're changing that front three is in cricket parlevance to your batsman not scoring enough runs so you change a bowler. <laughs> you know, there's key areas where Arsenal are not firing. Yeah. And we are just saying, oh, well, Aubameyang's not getting enough chances. Let's play him on the right. Because that's going to work. You know, let's play Willian as a false nine. That might get Aubameyang into the game better against Manchester City. And no, it, it, it didn't. You know, and I think Arteta goes out and plays a, a proper side, set up in a proper way. He might go 3-4-3 three, three again and, and go similar to how he has been playing. You know, sort of how he played against Liverpool, how he played against Man City in the Cups and things like that. That could work. But I think... Man United aren't stupid. They'll watch how we play and they'll, they'll just play the same as Leicester. Yeah, I, I, well, I think they'll play a bit more expansive. They, they will control the midfield. Like they're the, This is a massive game for Party to see if he can break down their the fluidity of the Manchester United kind of because they have players that come off the wing. They play a lot of ticky-tacky football. They do move the ball around quite nicely. And if Party gets the chance to break that up, he might just put someone in on the break. And all of a sudden, one of our front players might be able to play with a game ahead of him, which will be really interesting to see what we do. If you pick the right front players, they'll do that. They'll, yeah, they'll break that line. That's it. So, you know, not not completely forgetting about it, we did have Vienna this week. Yeah, so Vienna... We socially distanced, watched it together. 
We did. I mean, Leno, what was he playing at? He had a bad game. Yeah. Shush, 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 shush. But he's, we're going for a bit of a patch. To move off the Martinez conversation, right, it would have been great to have had two keepers, but I understand that they made a decision and an offer came in for Emmy. Then everyone has to get behind Leno. I'm not anti-Leno because... I just I, had a bad thing. It was two bad games because he was at fault for the Manchester City goal. You know how I feel about this parrying into fucking open play. When you look at Schmeichel when he parried Bellerin's shot, that didn't go nowhere near on. No, it went fucking, like, you know, outside of the N4 postcode. You know, the Vienna game was frustrating again. We just, you know, they were well set up. They were well oiled. They defended well. And, and teams that are well structured, Arsenal seemed to fucking struggle against. But we did struggle to unlock the Austrians' defence. Yeah. And, you know, and it was only really at the end where it wasn't a smash and grab, but we just managed to break them down. No, we, yeah, we I were. I thought Party in his first full game was class. He looked like a Rolls Royce. He was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, he looked like a Rolls Royce that was doing a demo day at a Ford garage. You know, it was like a, it, it was so below his level, you know, and he needs to be rested this week. You know, the Vienna game, he did what he needed to do. We won 2 1. It's probably the hardest game you'll get in the group. You know, Dundalk and Molde, you think, will be a little bit more of an easier uh, proposition. Yeah, I mean, We'll beat Dundalk. I'm, I actually suggest... I know, but that... I really hope that I don't like the team that goes out against Dundalk because I can only then hold a little candle that the players being rested are going to play against United. I, I'm, I'm going to say, I think Dundalk is potentially... I might be slightly left field with this statement. I think Dundalk could be potentially a, a more important game than Man United because I categorically will say this now. Arsenal don't get into Europe via the league this season unless they change something massively. I think Europa League is our only way to qualify for Europe next season. And you're so I'm you say, say Europe, you're referring to Champions League. Well, we won't qualify for Europe other than FA Cup or Europa. That's the only two ways we're getting into it. So pick your tournament we win. That's the one we plan next okay. year. Okay, there you go. That's so if, we, if we're going to revise our top fours, which we will tweet out later, or at Jim Bobcast on Twitter, tweeting your top fours, tweeting your lineups, tweeting anything you want to do about tweeting Arsenal. your rants, tweeting your fucking you know the sorcery that you think's going on. Tweet anything. Fuck, you know we just sit here and and respond to it all. We enjoy any communications. Yeah, like we'll, we'll listen to anyone's opinions, but. We'll go into the Dundalk game. So the only other thing, Bob, that I've experienced this week, right, is my first pay-per-view experience. Yes. And to be honest, I've been on the fence. I haven't really had, I haven't really been too bothered by it. I've said to you, if I had to pay 300 quid additionally to make sure that I saw every game on the comfort of my own TV and HD and all the bells and whistles, you know, for 15 quid I could not have as many uh, options from the Chinese that weekend or whatever on a takeaway. It's, you know, it's the difference between half a duck and a quarter sort of thing. I didn't watch it. I didn't pay the 15 quid. I watched all of the highlights. I've gone for every little element of punditry. I've had your own commentary during the match via messages and voice messages, which was fantastic. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I've researched it there. I, ha- I haven't watched the game. I didn't pay the 15 quid. Mm-hmm. You did. Yeah, and you pay your £15. There is a advert on loop, which is about 10 or 12 seconds. And if you tune in at 7 o'clock when it advises you to, you have to watch the advert 167 times. And then it cuts to five minutes before. You get a 30-second Arteta interlude. You get a 30-second Rogers interlude. They read the teams out. You see the guys come out of the tunnel and line up, which you don't Who normally see. Who reads the teams out? 
one of the commentators who they don't put a banner up a name because I think they're complete fucking randoms. Like one of them sounded like Stan Collymore's half-brother. I've never heard his voice before and the other guy couldn't tell you who it was. But then people who are like who I've heard are streaming it, right, which is fucking, you know, against the fucking run of what you should do with your TV licence. Oh, I didn't stream it. Are getting fucking Ian Dark and Andy Townsend. I'm paying... They fif- want, yeah, NBC. Yeah, That's who I, they're commenting on. I'm paying 15 quid for some fucking nomad who, who hasn't got a clue about either of the team. You know, they've got no opinion on Premier League football. Okay, Twitter. Twitter, tweet in who was commentating an Arsenal-Leicester game. At Jim Bobcast. We want to know who got James's goat commentating on that match. We yeah. want to know that. Uh, look, uh, uh, the price range I understood, because I'm like, right, if you're a fucking wrestling fan, you're paying 20 quid for Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, Hell in a Cell, whatever the fuck. You know, UFC, a Joshua fight, whatever it is, boxing, 20 quid. All right, you get an undercard and you get four hours of coverage. There's probably but... only two Joshua fights a year, though, so it's more of a special... Yeah, but there's boxing every month, isn't there? I, I don't know. I'm just trying to... They've probably said, this justifiably is this. Or, okay, you buy a film... Or rent a, a cinema film. You go to the cinema. Well, you go to the cinema via Sky now, because now, because obviously in some areas, tier two, tier three, right, you can't go to cinemas. So they are now releasing the films onto Sky Cinema, which is a new feature on Sky, right? And you pay fourteen ninety five for the film. It plays, and then I think it deletes away. So they're like, well, this is a spectacle. It's live, right? It can only be shown live once, yeah? So you pay the same money. That's it. It is fucking trash. It's not, it's, not, it's not even comparable to that of Saturday night football, Friday night football, Sunday football. It's so far from the it's mark. It's not even Gazetta Italian football on Channel 4 in the 90s. <laughs> it's not, yeah, there's no, like, you know, long-lasting goal. Satan to sport. Yeah, how long can you, can, can you hold the L for? But, I mean, these guys, Martin Tyler doesn't share a glass of milk with these fiends, you know, it's not... Do you know Martin Tyler's the assistant manager at Woking? Fantastic, is he really? <laughs> yeah, he is. He's also not, like, has he aged at all? I mean, I've heard him for 20... I mean, I have aged a lot in 25 years. There's only years. two men that I have never seen that have aged. One of them's Martin Tyler and the other one's Uncle Ben. <laughs> Very good. So, yeah... But will I do it again? Yes. Love the club. I, I'm going to say, I, I probably will do it for one of the other games. It was just circumstances that meant it was difficult. It was Big week. Andy's birthday. So, yeah, happy birthday. Big, big, up, uh, big 70. But no, I, I think potentially the price points are five or two rich. I think at 9.95, there's none of this boycotting PPV. I, I think people are going to do it. I think it's great that people are investing in food banks, but then they're, you know, they're investing in food banks to probably then illegally stream the game, which is kind of like, so you're giving your money instead to a food bank, which is fantastic to commit a criminal activity. It's kind of like a bit of a, it's like Robin Hood. It's just like, Robin Hood. It's like Robin Hood. Take from the rich to give to the poor. But the money goes straight to the clubs, doesn't it? This I don't is a, know. Is that is that actually true? Because I'm not sure. Sky and BT do not profit from this. Which well then, is probably why you're getting... Well, then it's helping... Yes, it's probably why you're getting... Uh, you're getting Lucy Alexander and Martin from Homes Under the Hammer while Steve <laughs> Dublin's on the main channel. Yeah. Lucy Alexander, obviously, is Lucy Castledean, married to Stuart Castledean, former Wimbledon player. And her son also plays for Wimbledon as well. Or Chelsea, he played uh, youth for England, youth as well. So he's a fine player. Statistics, statistics, statistics. I know just things, don't I, you know. 
in any other business, um, I smashed Bob in our first full week on fantasy football. I mean, I, I don't. The, the Spurs game hasn't finished, but it, it can't unless Harry Kane scored nineteen goals. Who have you got up front for you? Which one? Which one of the Spurs players? Have you got a Spurs player? Yes, son. Yeah, well, he scored for them and they beat Burnley 1-0. Oh, so they did a shithouse 1-0. Yeah, and and that means you did spank me this week. I got, I think I got 22 points, maybe. That's fucking atrocious. Look, I don't do fantasy football. I got 30 points this week. That's Emery-esque management, that is. Yeah, I got, I don't, I didn't understand it. I haven't done it for, I haven't done a fantasy team for probably 10 years. What? What do you do with your time? Well, I don't do fantasy teams. Yeah. I'll beat you this week, though. Oh, big shout. Right, tweet us as well. Who will beat Bob? Will it be me or will it be Bobby Bob Bob? Yeah, I think I'm going to beat you this week, James. So, yes, tweet in. Will it be James or Bob in the fantasy 11 oh, points? Oh, and Bale or Rulahon, he didn't bring either of them on. So I will have Ings with 10 points and Ailing with six points coming in. So I will finish the, the game week with about 80 points, which is phenomenal. Thank you very much. Oh, you have came me then. Yeah, so I've got a nice... But um, just to finish off this week, we have a happy anniversary to Nicola for supporting my dear friend Bob through marriage for 365 days. I believe she's... Six as a leap year, mate. Yeah, wow. It's made yeah. it a pain in the ass to get cards. Yes. Everyone said, oh, you put me for 365. I've, I've gone through deleting them all in card <laughs> shops. Just before we... Whenever you go walk into a greeting card shop or a stationery shop, do you not notice it's incredibly hot? Uh, no. They're always really hot shops. People, when you go into a greeting card shop or a stationery shop, they're always baking hot. It's because of all the paper. Are you being serious? I honestly promise you now, if you go to if you, go into Waterstones of all the books, it's hot in there. <laughs> go to a stationery shop, it's hot in there. Go into a greeting card Where'd shop. Where do you come up with? I'm trying it's to. True. I'm it's trying true. To it's true. It's because of all the happy paper. Wedding anniversary. Yeah, but you've just mentioned this. I, I have to say it. It's true. Greeting card. They're so hot in there. I believe paper is actually the first anniversary gift. That's right. It is indeed. Fantastic. <laughs> so go and buy it. So uh, Nicola, I think Bob's going to get you some insulated. paper paper for maybe for a cold winter yes. you can lie on it like an electric blanket but happy anniversary to you both Cheers, I have a lovely been. weekend away in uh, Devon I said um, tell everyone I'm not at home yes exactly <laughs> and uh, well the gated entrance will be tough to overcome with the security dogs but um, yeah and uh, up the arsenal hopefully we kick on and uh, repair from uh, what was a bad week and uh, it was a Halloween horror show it was yeah no tricks no treats I've been Jim I'm Bob see you guys soon